$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And super producer, Riley Bray. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. How are you gentlemen tonight? Excellent. Good. Feeling good. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm, I'm always good. Guys, we're in the dogman days of summer here. We're wrapping up BCC Jet Ski Summer. That's right. I'm mixing metaphors already at the top of this yeah. show. I was just um, thinking that'd make a great that'd make another great summer thing is like the Dogman Days of Summer. We could do I, that next year. That'd be I good. gotta be honest, I think I stole that from Monsters Among Us podcast. Shout out Derek Hayes. Oh. So we can't oh, oh. I don't shout think out we can Derek do Hayes. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. It's already taken. It was a good it's one. already taken. Damn. Too good of an idea. Um, yeah, fair enough. Well, look, we have another expert episode for our listeners this week, and I want to get straight to our guest uh because they're awesome. But before we get to them let's have some quick business up front because it's time for clubhouse keeping as i said it's sad but we're nearing the end of bcc jet ski summer so get your official jet ski summer t-shirt before it cruises off into the sunset guys i can't believe jet ski summer is almost already done it feels like it was just yesterday that we were all at schaefer lake this is actually making me sad i'm thinking about it in the moment it really does, actually. That that feels like it just happened. I was I was thinking about a reunion today, honestly, not kidding, about what we were talking about. I'm like, I'm ready to go back to Shaver, man. Oh, let's we do gotta it. We gotta go. 100%, slumber let's do it. BCC Slumber Boys uh party. What did we call it? <laughs> slumber I don't Boys of Summer. I need a slumber party, guys. <laughs> it's been we're long. Having a, it's been too long. <laughs> we are doing it, and then we're gonna go look for Bigfoot. That'll be like maybe a nice little fall vacation that we take. Uh like however it. When summer is gone, our T-shirt will be gone, too. You can order yours right now on the BCCT Public Shop, the link to which you can find in the show notes of this episode, or in our bio on Instagram, at Bigfoot Collectors Club, and on Twitter, at Bigfoot Pod. And let me tell you something, Club Scouts. Lean in. I got a secret for you. We're having some major merch news 
coming up soon. And mm. uh, if you've been sitting, I'm just going to say, if you've been sitting on one of our excellent designs, now is the time to get it, okay? If there's something you've been putting off, you're like, I love that BJ and the Shadow Bats t-shirt. That's going to mm. be available to me forever. Guess guess what? Guess again. Yeah. <laughs> Supply and demand, people. It's not Got to keep these things moving. Some things are about to change you know? yeah. for yeah, the better. Scarcity. Yeah. Things are going to change. Get into scarcity mode. Get those shirts that you want. I guess it might be your last chance. That's all I'm going to say. Act now before it's too late. Uh, and stay tuned for more emerged news sometime next month. Don't worry about it now. That's right. But get on it. But, Now's but the time worry to about it a little bit. Yeah, worry but, about but it a little bit. Because it's going away. Basically what we're saying is it's all going away. The show's staying. Most of the merch is going away. But don't worry. It's all going to make sense down the line. But uh, it'll, get those it'll become clear. Yeah, it'll be fine. Everyone's going to be OK. OK, Yeah, get a now, mug and a uh, sticker. It's a good time yeah. to do it. Yeah, now's that's the time. We're uh, that's all we're saying, guys. Bryce. We're, we're also calling on our club scouts to give our Patreon, the BCC, the other side, a shot this month. Give it a shot this month. It's only five bucks monthly pledge. You're going to unlock three exclusive bonus bonus episodes every month. Plus, you're going to gain access to the entire Patreon archives. And it's huge like michael's recent story on saint augustine's monster and our upcoming bigfoot movie club discussion of harry and the hendersons you are not going to want to miss that so go to patreon.com slash bigfoot collectors club to sign up and support us support the bcc guys we're finally doing harry and the hendersons hey yes. did i call it henry and the hendersons <laughs> I think it's Henry and the Harrisons. It's a, it's, it's, a it's sort of a knockoff of the original. It's not as good. <laughs> Another great way to support the show is to give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we might read it on the air, like this one right here. It's by Zombie Shell. Uh, new listener here. I just want to hear you read my interview on the podcast. Five stars. Perfect. Five Ooh, stars. Perfect interview or review? Did I say interview? You did. Damn. We're messing Let up me big time again. tonight, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll edit that one. All right. You know what? We need Maybe we need we'll... a spiritual advisor. We need someone we to help guide yeah, us we need through help this moment right now. Yeah, right Sorry, now. Unfortunately, I didn't land your joke. <laughs> Try it again. Review, give though. Give some. They they wrote it. They wrote it specifically <laughs> just to hear what they wrote on it, and you blew it. So I feel like I you got to give it another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Zombie Shell said. I just want to hear you read my review on the podcast. Boom. Five stars. Great. Done. You're right. Uh, we did it. Guys, fulfillment. Okay, we're done with this. Everybody put this <laughs> stuff away. Let's get to why the people are really here. Uh, our guest this week is a witch. Guys, I just want to say there are multi-hyphenates and then there are multi-hyphenates, okay? Our guest is a witch, spiritual advisor, occult researcher, actor, director, producer, TV personality, officiant, death doula, and podcast host of the show Around the Cauldron. Please give a warm Club Scout salute to Zachariah the Witch. Woo! Ow! Boo. <laughs> oh, no. Hi. Already Hi. scaring all of us just at the top. Yeah. I've uh, literally been sitting here holding my breath and you're like, we need a spiritual advisor. And I was like, yeah, you guys are chaotic as hell. What the fuck <laughs> yeah. What do we do? What do you do when you have, when you have three boys that are this chaotic, how would you get us situated spiritually easy? 
It makes me think of uh, art class and the teacher goes to the front and goes. <laughs> Everybody has. <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> that took a second. Um, Z, uh, I mean, l- l- I read your bio. You are, mm-hmm. you've got your hand in a lot of pots and they all sound really interesting. Um, yeah. We ask all of our guests, what is your personal personal paranormal history and what came first for you was it witchcraft was it uh becoming a spiritual advisor was it the occult research how did you get into this line of work i got into a lot of the work that i do now um my origin usually comes from my family's background but i also had a near-death experience at a very young age whoa which which led to i want to say just you start to take notice of things that you didn't notice before. I've told people before that I feel like when I had my near death experience, that was when I became a conscious person Mm. Um, because the memories are very vivid. And when I look back on them now, they're some of the thoughts that I can recall or try to remember from that time were almost adult for someone so young. I was only four years old. Mm. So a lot of my perceptions of what was happening to me um, were very out of my scope for that age. And then when I recovered, because I had a growth at the base of my esophagus and it closed my airway. So (gasps) when I recovered, um, I started asking, I asked why a lot, the question why, but it wasn't as simple, why are we here in this house? It was more about why are we on this earth this isn't where we belong there's something Mm. else out there um and then i started having very vivid dreams sometimes dreams that would be like those deja vu feelings where i've seen this before i know this person um and it just kept growing and growing and growing and luckily i didn't have um my mom was a single parent for a while uh she didn't shun those beliefs but she was also very afraid of them but um, she kind of, in her own way, supported them, but we never really talked about it too much. So I got into the occult because I think it was just taboo. And I've always <laughs> been a contrarian <laughs> most of my, like I said, I ask why a lot. So um, the occult just means what is hidden. And a lot of that is illuminating knowledge for us to understand and under uh, realize what realm we are living in and what's outside of our scope of understanding. So mm-hmm. um, I started diving into that in my early teens. I was gifted a tarot deck uh, in high school. I started doing readings at the cafeteria lunch table, which was super cliche in my small Christian town. Um, <laughs> and then I think just going from there, I um, it's just all kept growing and growing. It's like the snowball effect, you know, um, but a lot of the work that I do now, I think I said this before we even started recording, um, there's always been this contrast between my creativity as an artist, an actor, a performer, a writer, and then my spiritual work. They kind of just always intersect somehow. And they it's like this ebb and flow where when I'm in my downtime, I do a lot of my spiritual work. I find fulfillment through acts of service, helping my community, and then I get these opportunities to do sold out productions at Globe Theater in downtown LA or like, it's just, it's interesting. And I feel very fortunate and very grateful. So I got into the paranormal 
for a lot of reasons, but mostly because I died and I came back. So Yeah. Wow. I mean, that'll do it, right? Can do you yeah. remember what that specific moment was like? Can you walk us through it if it's not too much of a traumatic experience? Oh, I've told this story so many times. So I'm at home. I'm like I said, I'm about four years old and I'm I, I think I significantly just remember being in my room and I came out of my room because I didn't understand at the time, but I wasn't able to take a breath. And I just mm -hmm. remember my mom was sitting watching TV and I saw, I didn't hear her say the words, oh my God. I just saw them as if she mouthed them. And according to her, when I came into the living room at that time, my face was completely blue. Oh, so she rushed me to the, the hospital and I don't remember any of that. I just remember a nurse counting down from like 10 or something. And I'm uh, staring up at a ceiling. And then it was just darkness. And it wasn't like, a, it wasn't what uh, anesthesia is. Because I've had anesthesia later in life for other things. It was very much like I was gone. And it was confirmed, obviously. But I knew that there was this, something had happened and I wasn't in my little body anymore because I felt as though I was floating through nothing, but it wasn't, it wasn't entirely as if it was nothing. It was, um, how do you describe nothing? You can't, it's, um, I was drifting in through a, a space that had a density that I didn't understand, but then I started to hear voices and at the time like i said my child mind was like wait these are other languages that i don't know so i'm hearing like what i now recall to be german i'm hearing languages from over to my left somewhere behind me that's another language it's almost mm. as if i was i was floating around and popping in at these uh, the, these other places in the world or somewhere in consciousness Wow. And what, what drew me back was just that feeling of like a, a magnet. I felt something in the middle of, I guess, what you would call my lower back, pull me back. And then I just remember thinking I was asleep. Um, I don't recall a lot of my time in the hospital or my recovery. I just remember the stitches. I have a horrible scar in my stomach now. It looks like I got stabbed. Um, mm. But when I came back, it was just... I, it's almost like I didn't want to be here because I felt like I had experienced something that was beyond the limitations of what we live in. Um, if that makes Jeez. sense. Yeah, yeah. And so much to unpack when you're that yeah. young. I wonder if it, if being that young was almost made you more flexible to, to accept it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like sometimes I, I kids have a wider, wider range of acceptance. Yeah. I don't you know, ever it, remember being afraid. You know, and that's the a lot of people talk about how they feel like when they see this light or they're in this darkness, they have to there's some immediacy of a choice that they have to make. I never felt that I felt like I was choosing to have this like out of body experience. And I was just like, what's over here? What's over here? I didn't know this was here. <laughs> you know, wow. um, it's, it was just and really it was beautiful. I'll never forget it. You know, I'm really interested in this idea of like. You know, I, I haven't read a lot of it, but I'm familiar with a little bit of the near de near death experience literature, and and so many of people's experiences they describe sort of like just like you did. You know, they're they're experiencing this other realm where their consciousness is traveling with them, and often the time they're sort of accompanied by or uh, 
you know, greeted by some other type of entity or whether they call it a, a guardian angel or whatever. But oftentimes people are asked if they want to go back or they try and get back. It sounds like mm-hmm. in, in your story, you were sort of pulled back. And I think that's interesting, too. Perhaps it maybe it wasn't your time or, um, you know, because obviously you were so young, you probably didn't make a conscious decision to go back to your earthly realm. Or um, what do you think about that? I've actually never been asked that. I haven't thought about that. Um, mm. I, I don't. I still don't know what brought me back. I think maybe, maybe where there was some part of me that could hear them working on me in surgery, which I really don't mm. know if that's true. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe there was some subconscious part of me that was afraid and didn't want to die. Um, but I never experienced the presence of a being or a loved one or someone oh. on the other side. It was like um, that density that I was floating through that nothingness that felt like a conscious thing to me. And that wow. was, it was like all of consciousness. It's, it was just, it's like all eyes on you. It's like that kind of feeling. It's like, uh, but you don't know how many eyes are there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It could be billions. <laughs> Was it, it was darkness? Were you floating through darkness? That's what I mean. It's so hard to explain nothingness. It wasn't darkness. It was like uh, I could a see cosmic shimmers. consciousness goo. <laughs> yeah, it's like I could see shimmers of things. It almost reminded me of being in, um, like, if you could experience being in utero again. Maybe that's what it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know. And it is like you're inside of a, a a gooey thing, and you know you're this form that's just maybe spherical or has no shape or nor no uh corporeal structure um but yeah that nothingness it it felt like everything at the same time that's what's interesting about it and i mean i i just you don't forget it and i don't recommend going out there and trying to die and come back but if it does happen you'll never forget it (laughs) (laughs) what do you think is the significance of being pulled by the lower back is there some sort of symbolic or ritual tradition that would point to us being connected somehow through the lower back to our consciousness or something do you know well i mean in in the occult there is connection to what's called the silver cord uh, okay. that's one reference that i can think of i know also too in um i think it's i don't want to say it's in santeria i can't speak for those people and their practices. But I think in voodoo, they talk about too, like the the back of your head or somewhere in the middle of your spine is where the spirits also can ride, but also where access is made to that realm. Um, And then in uh, medicine paths or even um, animism or shamanic practices, there's this place where you can enter and leave your body or it's where you're always connected to the great spirit. Um, So I think the tailbone or the lower spine um, or anywhere along your spinal cord even could really be significant as like your tether because it's connected to your brain. Mm. It holds up the structure of your body. Like there's so much about that nervous system connection too that I think has a lot to do with maybe some pseudoscience or metaphysics that we don't fully understand, you know? Yeah, and and then this was all ringing a bell. The kundalini as well, right? The yes, feminine serpent, and serpent mm-hmm. at the base of our spine. I think yeah. it's in Hinduism, maybe. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but like mm-hmm. that also that rings a bell too. You know, that yeah. there there's something about that. That's so it's so fascinating. Yeah. Um Tell us more about this. You said that you felt experienced an adult voice that wasn't 
yours? Was that during the experience or in the months following the near-death experience? So the voices that I heard, it was almost like I was uh, a fly on a wall hearing a conversation. Um, And I couldn't audibly make out all the words that they were saying. And like I said, as I got older, I realized some of the only language I can really, I could pick apart and understand was, so they were saying stuff in German. Um, And I don't speak German, uh, Mm. but it was it was the only one that made sense to me that I, I was like, Oh my God, it clicked when I got older. I was like, Oh, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I heard these other people talking. It was like, I could hear plates clinking or, or uh, silverware clinking on plates. And I was like, am I at somebody's breakfast table right now? What's going on? It was very much like, um, how do you explain it? Do you know in X-Men when Xavier uses Oh boy, uh, now you're talking Cerebro? my language. Yes. Okay. Do you know when he uses Cerebro and he goes, yeah. and he oh, can, hell yeah. he can, it's like that. I felt like I was floating and I could go and drift towards something that was happening as if I was there, like astrally. That um, sounds like stepping outside of the third dimension and zooming around was, in the fourth or fifth dimension for sure. Yeah. It was fucking wait, can I cuss on here? Sorry. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It was fucking freaky. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I wonder if the clinking was you hearing the like surgical tools. Oh man, I don't know. I it could have been. Um That's interesting actually though. Yeah, and the brain's interpreting it in, in the something. Yeah. Cuz you Did, get influenced I, when you're in dream states like you could hear somebody talking and then think you're hearing a conversation in your dream. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That is that is possible as well. Cuz I I've, I've thought about it too. It's like what if I'm just crazy? And I have some undiagnosed trauma um, and what happened to me wasn't real because I always try to err on the side of logic. I always have. But there's these associations and connections and similarities that I found. I've met so many people now that have had near-death experiences. And it's like we did not intentionally seek each other out, but somehow we've always crossed each other's paths. It's very strange. How does that manifest? It'll be like um, in a spiritual place or, or a ritual, or I mean, I've gone to other states and just had a conversation at a coffee shop and the person was like, yeah, I didn't think I'd be alive today. And I was like, what happened? And I met this girl one time, she died at around the same age as me. She was like four or five and she had not a similar thing happen, but she just stopped breathing. She had a myocarditis where fluid formed around her heart and it just made Good her Lord. heart stop. Um, so, makes me so scared. <laughs> Just I know this can happen to you. Uh, <laughs> oh my but, god! Like I said, it wasn't it wasn't scary, and I think there's a part of me I don't fear death. In fact, I think it's a profound teacher, and there's so much about it that shouldn't be taboo and shouldn't be viewed as dark or ominous or this looming force. Death comes well, for us all. We have no choice in the matter. It will well, happen. I think- you know, one of the great sort of takeaways from the uh, the NDE experience is I think it gave a lot of people who had questions about the afterlife a little bit of hope. Hearing yes. some of these incredible accounts of, and even the scientific and the medical community, some of these cases where people were gone six minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes, I mean, completely flatline, zip mm-hmm. them up dead, and then they come back, you know, it, it's confounding. And they're all saying the same thing, you know, I'm... 
I'm in a space. There's there's a light there. My my relatives are there, or or there's people I know. I you know I was pulled back. I I could see what was happening. It's it's uh I think it gives people a lot of hope that hey you know maybe it's not just lights out. Yeah, I agree. Do you do you feel like you brought anything back with you? Do you feel like you're mm-hmm. obviously you said, you know, you've been interested in this because of this experience, but you feel like, I don't know, it gave you any, a little extra juice as like a witch or practicing a cultist. Witch juice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a funny way to term it. Um, I think that it did. It's, it's a shift. It's a, it's an evolution. Um, if you study the occult and you read about uh, some of the indigenous practices, they talk about how you have one foot in the living and one foot in the dead. Most people who are of the medicine or teach how to journey into the lower realms, the upper realms, to speak and commune with spirits, to work with uh, the spirits of animals, they have died and returned again. Um, common new age terms talk about ego death facing your shadow but a lot of these people were quite literal like if if you died and you came back they would be like oh shit you're meant to be a spiritual worker and a healer and this Mm -hmm. is you've been called it Mm. was not your time this is what you are meant to do and when you ask me if I brought something back I mean fuck yeah I started having the most vivid dreams um, the first dream I can recall that was just so detailed, uh, I was running through the snow and I'm, I'm still a child. So this is maybe a couple of years after I, I had died and came back, um, I'm running through the snow in this dream. And I know that something's chasing me and I'm running through this snowy laden forest. And it's like, you can see all the trees are wet with snow and I'm trying to run as fast as I can, but it's getting closer and closer and closer. And I, there's like this fallen branch that I have to jump over. And I remember it was so clumsy because I'm in this little snowsuit, like a full body snowsuit. And I try to jump over it and I fall. And when I roll over, there is a wolf right on top of me and its face is right in my face. And I woke up and I started screaming, grandpa's dead, grandpa's dead, grandpa's dead. And my mom, Whoa. my mom, you know, that's how she tells me, like she said that she had to shake me, her and her husband at the time had to like shake me awake because I wouldn't stop yelling that. And then that night after some time, my father's father passed away at the age of 89 years old. Whoa. Whoa. So that's the kind of shit where I'm like, what is that association or connection? And why am I, why did that start happening to me? So that's a lot of what propelled me to start reading about the occult, because everything in church, when I used to be a part of the church, said, if you go a little too far into the mystical and the spiritual, then that's not of God and that's bad. But right. you have to go further to understand it. You can't just say, oh, well, it's because God did it. It's like, no, motherfucker, there's something <laughs> else to it. There's some reason there's some reason why some of the people I've met have been able to heal people by touching them or to know things about them that nobody could know. Everybody has interesting gifts. It's just like when you're limited by religious dogma, you're never going to know what they are. Yeah. And why can't it, 
I mean, if God is all knowing and all everything, like, why can't this be a part of what is God? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why would he create it if he didn't want us to use it? Yeah. Or why would they create it? I don't know what you call God, but. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. The force. I think, the Schwartz. I think, I think yeah. they is probably <laughs> closer to it, you know. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get into This is all fascinating. And I want to get into uh, your work now in present yeah. day. But, but before, before we do that, if you wouldn't mind humoring us, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests. Sure. I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon. If you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. Even if you're in between or on the fence. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, rapid fire style. And if there's anything you want to go back and address, we can do that after we're, we're done with <laughs> okay. the list. All right. Okay. I think this I'm is ready. a game that we call bullshit or believe it. Okay. Zachariah, the witch on your mark, get set. Oh shit. It's a race. Okay. <laughs> Ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Aliens. Believe it. The Bermuda triangle. Uh, bullshit parallel dimensions believe it psychic vampires bullshit spontaneous human combustion oh my god believe it astral projection (laughs) believe it ouija boards i'm i'm on the fence so i'm gonna say bullshit alien abduction uh believe (laughs) We mentioned him earlier. Dogman. Believe. Believe it. Mothman. Believe it. Sheep Squatch. Oh, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Bullshit. <laughs> R- ritual Magic. Yeah, believe it. Levitation. <sighs> bullshit. The Healing Power of Crystals. Mm, bullshit. <laughs> We're living in a simulation. Believe it. <laughs> the government is hiding the truth about Elvis. Oh, bullshit. Alien human hybrids. Bullshit. Miracles. Mm, believe it. Reincarnation. Believe it. Destiny. Uh, bullshit. Life after death believe it wow great job z really crushed it (laughs) there you go i I, are you the first witch that we've talked to that uh doesn't believe in the healing power of crystals that might be unfair to other witches you know (laughs) i might say i might upset i i have this habit of upsetting other magical practitioners but i think it's because that but just just not not into it it's not your thing no, well, there's, I, it's like I tell students that I've worked with, it's like, if it doesn't work for you, toss it over your shoulder and move on. You don't mm-hmm. have to associate yourself with every little new age topicy thing. I don't even like the term witchy. It annoys the shit out of me. Uh-huh. You know? So I, there's just, yeah. That's really good advice, actually. That's like, no it one is. has ever made that point on this show before. You don't have to use all of it just because it's there. Yeah, like what? Do I have to wear a pointy hat and wear all black all the time just to fit in with y'all? No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I do wear all black all the time, but I, <laughs> but I don't wear a fucking hat all the time. <laughs> you know? um, 
This has been a recurring theme. I don't know why in the past few episodes, but spontaneous human combustion got a big reaction out of you. Mm -hmm. Love SHC. Yeah. (laughs) I just think, I think because I'm an X-Files fan, I remember the episode where that had happened in in one of the episodes. But I also was, I don't remember, I think maybe 13 or 14 at the time. And I started learning about it was a real phenomenon. And it was really bizarre how it would just happen spontaneously, like it says, but... (laughs) It was just like the the image of uh, what was it the person that burned up in their arms? Yeah, yeah, just their body. I'm just like, oh, but that was like something to do with your mitochondria, right? Like it's the the powerhouse of the cell. It like burns up your body. It like something happens. Overcharged mitochondria. We we've got to look into that to that SHC. There's a whole thing there. I I just remember this feels like a a real Bryce topic. I'm gonna just say right (laughs) now. I need to. Yeah, yeah, I need to. Object Bryce. Yeah. I need to look into this for sure. I just remember being like, how fucked up is that? What a thing to be scared about. Like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, anywhere, you could just yeah. toast up into flames. It's like, yeah. what? No way. That, that one freaked me out as a kid watching Unsolved Mysteries and sightings. And then the other one was like in in one of the I think it was in Unsolved Mysteries, like as they're, mm-hmm. you know, in the opening credits, they're like alien abduction, you know, unsolved mur- murders or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of them was vanishings. And what oh. they obviously meant were like people who just disappeared, like left, yeah. like no lost. And I literally thought they meant like one day you could look down and see your body disappear and you would just <laughs> vanish. And so That's like I lost you a, lot, a lot of sleep on that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I lost a lot of sleep. I'm like, am I just going to disappear? Like no. uh, Alex, like uh, like uh, uh, Michael J. Fox in uh, Marty McFly oh in uh, Back to the Future. That one really freaked Too me funny. Vanishings are kind of scary because I used to live in Ohio in Toledo and it used to be the had some of the highest cases of missing persons or human trafficking, supposedly. Um, So sometimes if you're out late at night in downtown, you don't want to stop at a red light for too long. Oh, boy. Somebody could just snatch you out of your car. Um, I think that's that's funny because like that's what I should have been afraid of as a kid, but instead, I I also like yeah, exactly. What about getting struck by lightning? That's more scary to me than spontaneous human combustion. I think getting struck by lightning. I knew a lady that lived on my grandfather's street. She had been struck by lightning twice, and her hair was the classic like stuck up all white, crazy hair. (laughs) There was something otherworldly about her. Like you could tell she was psychic or something it it did something to her <laughs> it was really She's weird fine. i hope so yeah, yeah. god <laughs> like you gotta get some superpower out of it being struck right? twice by lightning yeah, that's a rip off yeah yeah i mean lightning at least juice. change the tv channels with it or something <laughs> oh my god that'd be so fun or all your spoons get stuck to your body yeah. <laughs> yeah all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back more with zachariah the witch So, so Z, uh, I was actually in the car the other day listening to NPR, and they brought oh. up, they were doing a story on death doulas, and I had okay. never heard that expression before. And uh, But as many people, I'm sure, like myself, who have lost a loved one, family member, it immediately made sense to me that there should be somebody there to help guide 
um, someone over to the other side, or at least through mm. that process. It doesn't obviously specifically mean, you know, death doula believes that there's life after death, but tell us about this work and how you got into it and, and what it's about. So there's only about 10 states uh, in the U.S. that allow medically assisted uh, aid and dying. Um, that was the first thing that drew me to the work that is centered around somebody who practices being a death doula. A, a doula, a lot of people are familiar with, is somebody who's there when you give birth. And it's like a, a midwife or um, a nurse that's at home with you, and they walk you through more of a holistic approach to birthing your child. Um, I kind of grew up around a lot of those women. Um, and then later in life, I started, you know, volunteering at the old folks home or the Lutheran home. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also, you know, I still have been volunteering at like hospitals when I can. And <clears throat> but I started somehow coming across this common thing about death doulas and medically assisted um, aid in dying. And uh, for a while, it was only in the states of Oregon and Washington, where if you were terminal, you could go there and choose the time at which you want to die on your terms. Um, and in Switzerland, it's one of the only countries where you can go to a facility and choose to do it at any time. So it's still kind of like taboo to a lot of places. They call it uh, suicide vacations or something like that. But wow. I just want to be clear that uh, a death doula does not administer the medication that helps someone end their life. So I'm not like an angel of mercy or some shit like that. It's you're there to be the bridge between the person who is dying and ill, their family, their loved ones, to help them walk through the process of filing paperwork, getting the necessary uh, filings through physicians that approve medical aid in dying. And then also, too, um, not every death doula necessarily deals with medically assisted aid in dying. Sometimes mm -hmm. they are just there to walk somebody through the process of dying in hospice. Yeah. Um, somebody that wants to die more naturally because it's just their time. Yeah. Um, there's even uh, newer versions now going around of people that are using uh, MDMA assisted practices, uh, psychedelics. Um, there's a lot of new things that are coming up on the horizon, but I've always had this, um, I think because of my near death experience too, I have a familiar connection to how um, difficult it already is to be alive, but then to have to be so sick that you don't want to be alive anymore. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then to have to feel like you have to fight with your family and you feel like a burden and, you know, people pour all this money into trying to prolong a quality of life that is not really worth living. It's not real yeah. life. It's sustained. It's a sustained, you're in suspension. That's all it is. Your, your shell is just there and it's full of disease, you know? So I, it takes a lot of compassion and empathy, um, but it's just, it's rewarding because it teaches you the value of living um, and that time is very precious. So yeah. <clears throat> my work through... Um, doing readings and spiritual counsel has also been the bridge to that as well. Sometimes I'll have clients who have a loved one that's close to death and dying and 
they've connected with me again because they're like, hey, I know that you also do this. Can you help me through this process? Um, so I haven't I been doing that beautiful. for too long. It's only been within this last year uh, because during the pandemic, it's been really hard to like be around people, right? Like all these limitations, but yeah. I think that's beautiful. I mean, I lost a family member that was very uh, dear to me. And those last, you know, few weeks of hospice lasted longer. You know, it's it's one of those situations where you're like, we don't want them to die. But also, they're just suffering. You know what I mean? There's just so much suffering. And and you, you are in this position of, I wish there was something you know, we could do, or I remember thinking like, gosh, you know, there's all this, there's all this industry and talk around birth and how to make birth easier for people and all these different Mm -hmm. options. And I felt like it really sucks to get to the end of someone's life. And everyone's kind of like, we don't know how to do this. (laughs) You know what I mean? But we do. We really do. Right. Right. The medication has changed. Um, Right now, it's a cocktail of two different medications, and you put it in apple juice, and it's an it's it's it sounds. I, I'm very like factual when I talk about this, so please, I hope no one thinks I'm being insensitive. But no, it, no, no, no. What it does is it suppresses your breathing, it stops your most vital organ, your heart. It slows down your heart rate until it stops, and you are unconscious the entire time. So you feel and experience no pain. You mm-hmm. go to sleep. You stop breathing, you die. Mm-hmm. And it's way more peaceful than, let's say, when I'm at the hospital here in Pasadena and I'm on the sixth floor, which is the ward that when you're there, you know it's almost your time. Um, and you're seeing all these tubes and all these things connected to these people, and they just look like a shell of their former self. Mm-hmm. And they've been in that suspension for years, or they're going through a round of chemo again. They don't have all their hair, and it's like they could be they could be eighty, and they could be thirty, mm-hmm. and it's like they all look the same. They look sickly, they look sad, and they don't know why they're doing this, but they're holding on to something. And a lot of the time, it's because they didn't have the hard conversation with their family members or the people closest to them, chosen family, to say these are my wishes. And it's not about you anymore. It's about this process for me. It's about what I need to do. Um, Because I think I'm I'm really like, the reason why I have a driving force with this now is like, I've also lost friends to suicide. And there's this stark difference between medically assisted aid and dying versus just killing yourself. Um, Because the trauma that that leaves behind when you just commit suicide is severely different than being able to go through a process that is first of all legal in 10 states and it takes at least 14 days you have to find a physician that approves of it you have to verbally say that that's the process you want to begin you have to contractually in writing with two witnesses that have no financial connection to you sign the document as well and then you have to audibly check in with the doctor again for a post follow-up session so it's not just like you go, hey, I want to die, and then they give you meds. That's not how it works. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, the, it's there's still those people that are like, oh, well, it's medically assisted suicide. It's like, you can't call it that. Right. That's not what it is. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, 
in talking about like not knowing how to do this, you know, as someone who lost someone who passed unassisted, you know, an unassisted death, just, just for the family members or the people of like, I don't know how to ease this through, go, get, go through this transition. So mm-hmm. having a spiritual advisor, having someone there that's kind of like coaching, yeah. I guess, everyone through that process, I think would be really helpful yeah. and beautiful. You know, talk to us a bit about spiritual, being a spiritual advisor. What does that job look like? If you get a phone call, like who's, who's calling in need of, in, in, in need of guidance? So I have a I have a variety of clients that I've worked with over the years. When I first began, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I still say that I don't entirely know what I'm doing. I will never feel as though I'm like some yogi on a mountain that knows everything. Um, but I feel that the people who are meant to work with me find me. And it's always very apparent that the counsel that I offer them and the wisdom that I can impart on them from what I've learned through my own journeys or just by my own research or gaining knowledge through reading or experience. It all just, it all just comes together. But when it comes to spiritual advising, I'll find people that are new clients who are trying to tap into their psychic abilities or they have an interest in witchcraft or the occult. Oh, cool. Um, I'll, I'll have some people that are former Mormons or ex-Christians and they're trying to just discover a new part of themselves or they want to reconnect to a higher power. Um, I recently oh. had a cl- client who um, who felt that they're sensitive or becoming empathic or they're more aware of things around them and they've started having really intense dreams and visitations And that was my last session was like working through that with that person and helping them understand how to protect themselves or how to acknowledge what was going on. Maybe it was some type of subconscious thing. Because again, I still err on the side of logic. I try to find a source where it could be coming from. Like what stressors do you have in your life? What, what's your routine? What are you doing um, day in and day out? You know, like I go through a lot of checklists with people. So I do have a variety. It's just a variety of people. It's just referrals usually. I love the idea of like someone coming to you for advisement when they're like, I think I have ESP. That's cool. That's yeah. like, it kind of brings it back <laughs> I, to being Professor X, you know? Like, Yeah, I really, really, you know, I love, and that's one of my favorite names too, Xavier. So it's weird that like that association has always kind of been there. But um, I just, yeah, it's, it's so cool to watch some of the growth that has happened with the clients that I've had. Um, is that on my website, I also talk about um, how I have spiritual advice and counsel. It's like one of the tabs. It's like a consultation, but I use it as a way for if you just need someone to talk to and you want more of a spiritual lens that that person's going to work through instead of just a clinical psychological lens, that's a good place to start because I can just say, well, here's the spiritual part of it, or here's where it connects to things that I know of the occult, or here's where it might, your dream might mean this, or you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It's been an interesting, it's been a really interesting process, but I'm, I'm so grateful to have the clients that return. I get all these really great reviews that I'm so grateful for. I just feel really blessed by just being able to do this. And now I've also in the last month, um, I've started doing a pay what you can service because when I started doing this work, I did it for free all the time. And then when I moved to LA, all the like, 
hope nobody thinks I'm calling them out, but like all the, <laughs> all the professionals were like, you need to charge, you need to do this. And I was like, but that's just not me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did it for a time and I do still have my hourly t- fees and stuff. And I have normal rates that I've kept on there just because there are some people who can afford it and want to pay. But I've also extended that offering of like, if you reach out to me, we have a conversation, we can come to an agreement about pay what you can. And sometimes I've just refunded people's money because I had a client two weeks ago. I didn't feel like I was able to help her because it wasn't the topic and it wasn't the situation. It was just, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that I was offering that could help her walk away and feel like she had the tools that she needed to do better. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to refund your money. And now I'm going to refer you to this person instead. And it was the best decision that I could have made. Um, which that says a lot too about like some practitioners doing what I do. I really question their integrity sometimes and their, um, their sincerity about why they do the work that they do. It's like, are you doing this to be famous or are you doing this because you really want to help others and assist them on their journey? Right. So I kind of see that happen a lot too. Interesting. Man. What about you know, that, when, it, oh, I was yeah, gonna go say, ahead, that's, got, that's just gotta, you know, I just appreciate all the, uh, I don't know. I've heard people call them like, light workers or, or whatever. It's the people who are in a community who are, who are putting their time and energy into, into helping others. I know that can, that that can take a toll, man. And, uh, I, you know, we appreciate that, you know, for all those people out there who are doing that kind of work you do, there's not a lot of them, but, um, man, and and thank you. And sincerely, if anyone is listening and they hear me say, pay what you can, I'm, I'm not being disingenuous. It's for real. Like I just, it's a blog on my site. You can read the information. Uh, it's just, it's a matter of asking. And that's the thing is like, I tell a lot of my clients, if you don't ask, you never know if it's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to get. So when people ask me, Hey, I'm not working right now. Can you take 10 bucks? I just need to talk to somebody. Sometimes I'll just be like, keep your fucking money and just refer somebody (laughs) to me that can pay full price or write me a really great review. If you thought it was, it was worth your time. Well, I think more, I think more now than ever, I think people all over the place are just I don't know, man. I, I feel like we're starting to sort of feel the aftermath and the effects of all the trauma we, we've been through in the last few years. And, and it's taken a toll on us, man. I know yeah. I personally, like my work, you just kind of feel, you feel vamped for lack of a better word. And yeah, I know burnout. A, a lot of a burnout, a lot of people in their jobs and in their, even in their lives and everything. So if people need, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> help, guidance, whatever, man, yeah. I know, I know I'm not, uh, I, I do too. So it's a, it's a good service, man. Yeah. Hey, um, Bryce, I think I know a uh, relatively inexpensive spiritual advisor we can refer you to if you need help. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I, I, might, I Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I was just going to say, I've always been interested, Z, in like, for people who are practitioners of, would you say magic? I mean, I, uh, what do you describe yeah you could say magic it's pretty linear yeah what kind of witchcraft are you practicing and and how do you balance like what you're doing for yourself in your day-to-day life with like the services that you provide for other people you know what i mean are you making your own candles for your for example i'm just pulling something Uh out here are you like casting spells for yourself and then doing stuff for other people like what's the difference between your personal practice like practice and then what the services you provide, I guess. There isn't too much of a difference between my personal practice and what I do for clients. Um, 
mostly because I try to practice what I preach. And a lot of what that is, is telling people, what is your association and your connection or personal relationship with your deity or your higher power? And how does that look for you? What is, what is that going to be on a daily basis? What is, what is that routine? Um, and so, yeah, I just recently made a candle for somebody who's going through a difficult time, but also on a new moon, I usually create a candle or do something new on my altar, which has just happened. We were in a new moon phase. Um, there's things like that. And then um, <clears throat> I also think too, it's important to know what your own boundaries are. So if I'm doing a lot of heavy, like let's say I have, uh, you know, I'm doing uh, the death doula work or I'm starting the process of doing that. I have to set aside enough time or space to make sure that I'm not overburdening myself because mm. I don't want to take a bunch of clients that want to get psychic readings on top of dealing with somebody who's about to pass. That's just too, that's too much at once. So I have to learn, and I, I'm not saying I have to learn, I do it. <laughs> um, it's all about maintaining balance. So I have a very active physical life. I go to the gym. Um, I'm mostly vegetarian, more like a flexitarian. Like there's mm -hmm. certain things that I do that I know work for me. And again, it's like I tell clients all the time, in your magic, it's the same way. If it works for you, if it resonates with you, keep it. If it doesn't, toss it over your shoulder. Um, you did ask me what kind of magic I do. A lot of the yeah. work that I use is, is ancestral work. Um, I really believe in honoring those that came before. Uh, I have a very colorful <laughs> background and lineage of we're all over the place. So I think I have my hands in a lot of magical pots, so to speak. Um, but most of the work that I started was traditional Wiccan type stuff, but then it started to blend into things that I picked up along the way from the cultural background in my family and things that also just naturally came to me. Um, I do a lot of dream work. I do a lot of um, journeying and meditation. Um, and I'm also a psychonaut. I love using psychedelics in ritual sometimes. Um, it's just one of those things. And I don't feel bad saying that. It's just, no, you shouldn't. Know. That sounds awesome. Yeah, um, especially since you're doing it, you know, consciously and probably yeah, responsibly. Very much so. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Like what what um as much specifics as you want to get into like talk mm -hmm. you know obviously like bryce you know i don't want to put words in your mouth but like we've talked about terrence mckenna a lot on the show sure. um Great. timothy leary Ayahuasca, like mushrooms yeah. uh lsd ketamine all those are being used in therapies today yes they're very effective um i've been following an organization called maps and they're all about mdma assisted mm -hmm. therapy um I've been following them for years and i really think that we're on the forefront within the next five years of it fully being legalized with psilocybin and mdma um so there are benefits that come from plant medicines i think people tend to abuse them because they're seeking they're seeking an experience rather than using it as a tool to assist them in working through trauma or some type of healing and growth that they need to do. Right. Yeah. So, that stuff's hard. <laughs> so I think it's important to say <laughs> that if, if you are going to use the plant medicine and if it originates from a specific culture or a specific practice, 
you should work with like ayahuasca. You shouldn't be going to North Hollywood in somebody's apartment with 30 people in one room and drinking out of some bowl that he's saying is ayahuasca. Sorry. You should be going to an ayahuasquero and doing a traditional ceremony and also contributing back to the culture of people that kept that lineage going. Right. Um, and you don't always have to go all the way to South America to do it. You can, you can find it if you really look for it. Right. Um, but as far as medicine or psychedelics, I think there's so many different things there on the horizon where it's like there's now there's DMT vapes, there's uh, capsules of mushrooms that are ground up into powder. There's um, this thing called rape, which is from South America, where you like you snort it and it like dilates your pupils and makes your senses all heightened. And it's like it's it's not what you think it might be, <laughs> but it's like. <laughs> I don't do those things. I'm mostly a, a mushroom person. So mm -hmm. um, it is legal to grow your own. It is illegal to distribute. So um, that's where you kind of have to be careful about what you're doing with that. So, right. But in ritual, it's very powerful. It helps you access things where you've compartmentalized them. It helps you break down those barriers. Um, do you feel really like, powerful. sorry. Do you no, feel like you fun. engage with, I'm always one of those people who like, I gravitate towards the like DMT entity stories. You know what I mean? I literally <laughs> picked up a book the other day called DMT entities. I love, freaky. Yeah. yeah, I love hearing stories about other people, not me because huh. I'm too chicken to go there. Uh, yeah. But like of higher intelligences that people might experience in these altered states of consciousness. And I'm curious if a you've had any experiences like that and B, if you think it's something outside of yourself or if it's something that you're connecting with deep within your subconscious. Oh man. Well, the layers to what you just said are also the layers of the fact that there's dimensions stacked on top of each other. So if you think about it, what is our consciousness? We still haven't fully understood what consciousness is entirely. Mm -hmm. There's still so much about what makes us conscious. Where does that connect? What is the soul? What is the id? What is the ego? Like, what are these things that are stacked on top of each other to make us a person? Mm -hmm. um, so when you do psychedelics, I think it really does take you into, you know, how the new age people talk about 5D, 60, like you're going into these altered states, especially with DMT, the entities and beings that are there. The thing that I remember specifically with DMT and experiencing was the tube. And everybody talks about the tube. And I was like, bullshit. And I did it. And this was a couple years ago because COVID and I just didn't want to be here anymore. So <laughs> that's so one, way to, light, light one way to lighten things up. One way to lighten your mood, you know. Um, <laughs> during lockdown. Hey, man, you know what? I think I'm ready for that tube. Let's go. <laughs> so so you go through this tube and it's this multi-spectrum light tube. It's like a, this rainbow of vivid color, uh, geometric pattern, swirling, spiraling tube. And it looks like a it's like that vortex shape where it's like fat on the bottom, skinny in the middle, fat on the top, you know, and you pour, I remember like your body becomes liquid and you pour into it and it's like that heavy gravity feeling. And then when you kind of come back to some type of form, which again reminds me of floating through the nothingness of when I died, which is also something weird to think about, um, you start to notice things either if your eyes are closed 
or if your eyes are opened. When I opened my eyes for the first time, I saw what looked like a man that was made out of cactus. <laughs> it was the weirdest. Whoa. But it cool. was like this rainbow, it, like the texture of his skin was like cactus texture, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like big spines. It was just like little, little itty bitty spines. And um, I later found out that that's also called the saguaro man, which you can get from doing a mescaline or something. Trippy yeah, I was going to say, this sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. But there's like these entities that exist in these realms that you journey to in psychedelics. And why I think that they actually do exist in that space is because if I've never heard of it and I'm seeing it when my eyes are open and then when I'm done having this trip and I go look it up or I ask somebody about it and they say, oh, that's that. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That just confirms for me that like there's clearly something that's stacked on top of us that we don't see all the time that's there. Like it's there is there is another uh, layer upon a layer that yeah. exists at all times. What did the Cigarro so. Man say to you? What message did he have? Nothing. He actually looked like he was hiding behind the plant uh, outside. It was kind of like a playful, you know, peeking around the corner and then you know, kind of blending in with nature and then kind of coming back into full view. It didn't feel menacing. And that's also what I love about these experiences is that I have never been afraid. It just feels, it's a very familiar, but unfamiliar feeling, you know? Yeah. When that's... you talk about these layers, like, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, like the stacking of dimensions on top of each other, like, do you get the intuition that they are uh, like rooted in and influencing each other? Like when you're talking about sort of like, what is everything is a mirror. Cause even, even in the craft we talk about as above, so below as within, so without. So the the theories are that everything is vibration everything is conscious and everything is mirroring itself the universe looks into itself as you look into the universe so there's this awareness um that also is creating its reality so when we're perceiving things this and this is like when people are i feel like i lose people but when we not perceive us. and we not when us, this is when we pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> when we're looking at something and perceiving it, it's also perceiving us and interpreting what we are. But I think these things on higher dimensions, there's so many layers that they see that we don't because of what dimension we're in. Um, so like uh, if something's in, let's say the, the 5D, everything that we see is still 3d whereas uh if you go to 4d that's the that's the tesseract right that's where you can kind of like look through and see these other realms but you don't exactly experience them but it's like looking through a peephole into all these other intersecting planes of existence like the doctor strange like shattered mirror kind of thing where you're like oh it's basically that and i also find it weird that in media they've been talking so much about this and there's more and more physicists coming out and saying they figured out the god particle they figured out how to slow down time they figured out that there's other dimensions they figured out how to open portals they figured out how to tap into a black hole i'm like we're so on the verge of the spiritual explanations of all these things becoming science be fully being explained by science so to answer your question yeah i think that we are being observed but there's also things that are being observed that we don't exactly know how to perceive just yet because we're not on that dimension we're not well in that i think that existence. 
and we've talked mm-hmm. about this on the show. We kind of think that's what UF UFOs might be. Like mm-hmm. it looks like a flying silver being. disc in in our, you know to our three dimensional senses, but it could look. We might just be seeing like a slice of the carrot and not the whole carrot. You know what I mean? Well, and um, I know exactly what you mean because I remember when I first started learning about paranormal phenomenon. I was friends with a physicist who worked at Fermi, which is in Michigan. It's a nuclear power plant. And he was talking about how, because he's an atheist, but he was saying, you know, people take photos of orbs and stuff. He's like, but in physics, the easiest form for energy to take is a sphere. He's like, so what if it is possible that it's the raw energy of a person? If it is a spirit, that's how you're seeing them. And I was like, well, wait, what about aliens though? What if we see them as these spherical things in the sky? Because that's the only way we can perceive them. You know, like what, how our eyes can pick up on what they are. So it's just, yeah. like, it's fucking, it's weird shit. <laughs> I like that. No doubt there. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about your sort of like, uh, I don't know if astral projection is the term, but you're like this, uh, you said you were saying dream work. Like I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to lucid dreaming there and, and uh, meditation and, and maybe also how that works with like the psychedelic medicine. Okay. Um, so in dream work, there's a certain level, I believe in using sound and ritual, uh, especially in psychedelic work where you get into a meditative state or in alpha. Um, Mm -hmm. and by using a consistent pattern of drumming, which is also sacred too, there's a reason why certain cultures use drums and have a specific tone or beat or tempo. Uh, I think it's, I can't remember which tribe, but they talk about how it's the flapping of the Eagle's wings, which is the beginning of the dawn, which is what brings you into the spiritual realm. Um, but I use drumming and sound. I'll sing songs that either come to me naturally that I make up that I feel compelled to do or certain songs that I've just picked up over the years that are appropriate for the the ritual. But I lead a person into a dreamlike state or alpha state. Um, But before that happens, what I usually do is I create a tea that has a small amount of um, the psychoactive substance. When you use psilocybin um, and you make a tea, I hope I don't get arrested for talking about this. <laughs> you won't. You're good. This is so, all theoretical, right? We're talking right, about microdosing sacred tea. This is uh this is I think you're good. Yeah. So um so when you make the tea, uh you use a little bit of lemon juice because it creates the uh psilocin, which is more psychoactive. It hits you in the eyeballs first, basically. It gives you the visuals. And it also makes you have that sleepy, dreamy feeling. Um, and so once they've had that cup of tea and that's been induced, um, I usually prepare an area that's outside. I have a, a, a fire pit and, um, a nice little meditation type circle in, um, my space that we built not too long ago. That's specifically for that. And I lay out blankets and cushions and sometimes I'll have them lay down and wear a blindfold and I'll start the drumming and kind of walk them through like a guided meditation to get to the space to begin their journey. And I ask them questions along the way. I don't make them respond. I just tell them to stay inward because the first place you go is inward to find what needs to be healed. Um, And some people start crying immediately. Uh, Some people are just really quiet. And then they want to sit up and they want to move around. And then I give them more of the medicine. Then they go into the full process of beginning 
the actual journey or the trip as the kids call it. So, um, (laughs) and that can be, that can take anywhere from a couple hours to really get to the peak uh, or less. And then it will last for maybe four to six hours total to have like the still feel the warm and fuzzy connection and full brain activity lighting up and all that. Um, But Sometimes we'll work through things that they've, because you did ask about dreams. Sometimes we'll work through dreams that they keep having that are recurring. There will be some message that they're missing. Um, they could find some trauma that's been buried. They could find an ancestor that's been trying to reach out to them. There's so many crazy things that have happened. It's just, and then when you add this to when people are near death and dying, oh my God, you would not believe how freely they talk about well, my mom's here now and she's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> Whoa, like, really? Oh yeah. It's some crazy shit. I mean, so, I definitely think a big part of psychedelics, like what you learn from them is uh, more comfort with your own mortality and, absolutely, and the inevitability of, of it all. What is, what is it that uh, Paul Stamets talked about where it's like mushrooms are there at the, the end of life as well as the beginning, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's powerful stuff. Um, but I don't think it's one of those, like, I mean, I'm going to Burning Man and I know that there's going to be people that are there who are doing mushrooms just to like be free and be crazy. And it's like, I just don't believe in using it for that. I don't, I think Mm -hmm. it is a medicine. It should be respected. Um, it can be a communal thing. Like if you do it with a bunch of people, it can form beautiful bonds and connections and conversation. I think because if you think of mushrooms and a mycelial network that's how they communicate too it's like they've been talking for thousands of years the oldest living organism on the planet is fungus you know Um, and it works through the roots of trees and trees communicate with each other and it's like again it's a reflection of us in the universe that we exist in the earth is a reflection of us you know so it's right as above so below it's all yeah it's all connected in that way yeah, I, I like that analogy a lot. And like, uh, you know, when people kind of talk about that mushrooms like hold a information or knowledge, but it's sort of like this lock and key phenomenon mm-hmm. or, or it's like encrypted data or something. It's like something needs to be able to read that information. And the way we've evolved along with this plant yeah. is, uh, you know, it's endlessly fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Very powerful stuff. But I love dreams. Going back to that, too. I just I think dreams hold a lot of significance. Um when I was learning a little bit about hypnotherapy at HMI in Tarzana, we, I went to a dream workshop where we talked about how to interpret and understand the subconscious messages from dreams. And that's a very like literal way of understanding it. But I also tie in the spiritual, like the symbolism, the ancestral connections, um, you know, but not everything is always a spiritual response in a dream. Sometimes it's just your brain going, Hey, you're really fucking stressed out and you need to calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And that's why your teeth are turning to paste. <laughs> yes. Okay, maybe you shouldn't spend all your money. <laughs> I think you you're know? just grinding your teeth a lot when you sleep. <laughs> you should get a mouth guard. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, it really works, everybody. So do it. Um, it does. Z, we are running out of time, unfortunately. I mean, this is another conversation I feel like we could we could go on for hours uh, and and not get bored. Uh, but Bryce touched on something a little bit earlier. You know, at this point in time, everyone feeling burnout. It's been a stressful. It's been 
obviously it's been a stressful few years for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of, as some maybe parting wisdom to our listeners, what sort of general spiritual advice can you give us uh, in, in a moment like this? Uh, with Okay, so with burnout specifically, it doesn't necessarily have to be spiritual, but routine and good habits are really important. Um, you also have to make sure you're getting all the classic things that people talk about, adequate sleep, plenty of sunlight, you're hydrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think the thing that was really been significant that I learned from 2020 and going into 2021 is what are your limitations? What are you allowing in your life that you shouldn't be allowing? Um, yeah. What are you ignoring? Um, the thing learn, that learn should... that power, learn that power of no, learn to say no. Yeah. You know, I there think is that... a, there is a, there is a beauty in, in the, the, that statement of no, it's just, it's just a stamp. It's no, no, absolutely means no. Um, but no, doesn't mean fuck you. No, doesn't mean I don't love you anymore. No is your way of saying, I don't have the energy output for this. And because I respect myself, I am saying no. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the part too, that I think when it comes to burnout, you got to eliminate any physical or emotional symptoms. So if somebody is draining the shit out of you and they're just a toxic person, stop communicating with them. Stop engaging with that person for a time and see if it makes you feel better. You'll probably find that it does. Um, if you feel like you're always doing favors for people, if you feel like uh, there's no reciprocation in a relationship, it's time to start acknowledging it and addressing those types of issues. And sometimes it does start with what we said, saying no, not allowing the process to begin. And the more you do it, And the more consistent you become with saying no and giving yourself time and space and reprieve, the easier it is to assess and understand when something that might drain you is about to begin and you can stop it preemptively. You can learn to go, oh God, so-and-so is calling me. I'm not going to answer the phone right now because I just dealt with my screaming kids. I have a fender bender issue. I just can't do it today. You know, (laughs) I'll call them tomorrow. So it's like you have to acknowledge and understand and take note of everything in your life that is a stressor physically, mentally, and emotionally, and start saying no to those things if they keep popping up and they keep tiring you out. Um, Does that all make sense? Yeah. Sound advice. Brilliant advice. And honestly, I needed to hear some of that. Zachariah, thank you so much. This was a really fascinating conversation. Uh, before you go, where can people find you and find your work? I'm, uh, I have my own website. It's ZachariahTheWitch.com. And I also am on Instagram. It's the same thing, ZachariahTheWitch. Um, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I just did a thing on AMC+. I've been doing a lot of stuff. You'll see me. But yeah, I Great. was serious about communicating and people can reach out to me and we can go from there. So awesome. And uh, tell us briefly, let, let our listeners, obviously they love podcasts about around the cauldron. So it was on a little bit of a hiatus, but just yesterday I was like, I'm getting back on it. Uh, around the cauldron is a cross table conversation show that 
covers topics of the occult, witchcraft, and anything that is an ingredient in life that makes it magic. So there's a lot of good episodes up already. You can find that on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. It's everywhere now because of Anchor. So (laughs) fantastic. That's great. Uh, That's awesome. Thank you, Z. Uh, on our end, follow us at Bigfoot uh, Collectors Club on Instagram at Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. Speaking of podcasts that are on hiatus but have good episodes up already, please check out season one of Slate Your Name, my other show. Uh, Bryce, Riley, do you have anything else to plug before we take off? Yeah, let's take our relationship one step further. Hit me up on Cameo. It's on the link tree now. Finally got it on there. Riley, too. Michael, as well. Hit us up. We'd love to say hello to you and uh, and give you a message. I think it's a fun way to uh, to communicate with you guys. So hit us up. Yeah, guys. I second that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been enjoying Cameo so far, and I'd like to do some more. And you know what? It's cheap. I'll, I'll do it. You know, it's, it you won't, I'll make yeah. it worth your while. Let me I'll just say this, though. No foot stuff. All right, everybody. This is an oh, only I know, fan. I know. I got, okay. I got a foot request. That ruined my Did streak. Really? I was pissed. Wait, I was like, real? I'm not sending. Yeah. <laughs> not We're not doing. I, yeah, I got a foot request. Right. You're like, it's a joke. It's a joke for us. I'm like, no, it's not. Not that I don't not have a great joke. feet, not a but joke. I'm not going to, you know. Yeah, no foot stuff, guys. I know we're Bigfoot Collectors Club, but that's not what this is about. You know, when I start my OnlyFans, then we can talk Wrong about uh, foot prices. Yeah. No yeah. fee for free, that's for sure. That's right. All right, well, let's thank uh, Zachary the Witch one more time for being on the show. Thank you, Z. Thank you, uh, everybody else. You. <laughs> uh, until next time, good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash bigfootcollectorsclub. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.